Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I thought about this. Here's what's false saying. Why are you honoring us? We're just servants. We're serving God. It would be like going to your favorite restaurant and at the end of this amazing meal, call for the waiter and say to the waiter, thank you for the amazing meal you cooked for me. Well, the waiter didn't cook your meal. The chef did. By the way, if the teaching's good, the master chef prepared it. It's his word. In the world, you're told to take credit for as much as possible because nobody's going to give you credit for successes, although they're more than willing to give you the blame for failures. Pastor Mark in his teaching today will talk about how God's kingdom doesn't work that way. You'll learn how the kingdom of God is all about service, about pushing the spotlight away from yourself and on to Jesus. You'll find out how when you do that, you're following Jesus' example, proving that you're really his disciple. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with today's edition of Lessons for Life. I know some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor Mark, if you're saying these people that are carnal struggle once in a while with their carnal nature, then I guess I'm not spiritual. No, everybody struggles with their carnal nature. Hello? Say, well, I don't. You're lying, so you do. (laughs) Nobody... How do I know that? Because why do I give into my carnal nature? When I give into my carnal nature, what's it called? Sin. Are there any sinless people? No. We've already told about that. So I struggle with it. But the key is, if you struggle with it and you know you struggle with it, you're already what? Healthy. Because you're going to do something about it. You're going to ask forgiveness. You're going to ask God to help you. You're concerned about it. The carnal person goes, who cares? Now that sounds strange to you. But that's really true. In much of the counseling that we do, when people come in for all kinds of things, you can talk to any of the pastors. You can tell as you're getting ready to talk to the individual or the man or the woman or the couple or whatever, if they're even interested in changing. A carnal person isn't really interested in changing. So it's like a waste of time for us and a waste of time for them, actually. Now, here's another danger. If you and I struggle from time to time, in fact, the book of Hebrews says the besetting sin. Something that we're drawn to easily. If you struggle, it's a good sign. You know you struggle. It's a good sign because you're overcoming that. We don't have to give into it. We can grow and we're growing. We're sinning less. But here's another huge thing 
that so many churches don't get and so many people. And I'm afraid we don't even get it. Many people relate spiritual maturity to age. Well, I've been a Christian 42 years. I'm a spiritual person by definition. Maybe not. We've seen some older Christians, and I can say that because I'm older. And are they any different than they were 35 years ago? No. So are they really growing? No, they're not. So your spiritual maturity isn't really related to your age. It should be, but often it isn't. And that's where people, they've stopped growing a long time ago. They've kind of hung out the retired sign spiritually. They're not interested in, I paid my dues. I was worked in the nursery. I taught that small group for four years. I'm through with that kind of stuff. I'm coasting into heaven. That, I'm mature. No, you're not. You're a carnal believer. Now, I just want to stop and say this. Thank you. Because we don't have a lot of those people around here. You guys are amazing. This train is going so fast, you have a hard time keeping up with it, don't you, sometimes, all of us. There's so many things going. My wife and I drive by the other night. I'm thinking, what's going on at the church? Look at the people there. Oh, my goodness. Good job. We're growing. Amen? We're gonna... Turn to your neighbor say, I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm growing. Amen. Amen. Now, look at verse 3. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? So watch what Paul does. He gives us a sample of what a worldly believer is. A carnal Christian is. Isn't there jealousy and quarreling among you? Are you not acting like mere human men? The New Living Translation says this, For you are still controlled by your old sinful nature. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your old sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? It's perfect. Now, you don't need to write this down, but you need to see the difference. This is the difference. When you and I head to the carnal part, you know why we're doing it. But look at this. Notice the contrast here. Mature Christ followers, those of us that are growing, are living under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul would later write in Ephesians 5, be filled. Keep on being filled. Because when I'm not being filled, I'm going back to my old carnal way. And I can be carnal anytime during the day. Any kind of situation. Carnal Christ followers, they're not being controlled by the Spirit. They have the Spirit in them, they're saved, but they're controlled by what? That old, sinful nature. Now, don't think this is unusual. Paul writes, chapter 7 in Romans, what does Paul say? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, ah, I'm doing them. Then he says, who will rescue me from this? That's when he began to understand the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ would rescue him. And by the way, right after he finishes all that, it goes right into Romans 8.1, which says, now there is no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So when I'm carnal as a Christian, I don't have to feel condemned. I will feel convicted. And I just ask God to forgive me. So I understand it. Now, as you go through this, understand that this is pretty clean 
cut for Paul. Here's proof of carnality. Jealousy, just some. Envy, quarrels. Where does that come from? James chapter 4 tells us what causes fights. What causes quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So we know that carnality produces this envy, this selfish nature thing, and it relates to a baby. Now, as I go through this, I think it's good for you to just look at your own life. Don't think of a baby, but I'm going to give you some, just a few characteristics of a baby. See how you and I are doing. Now, we'll all get caught in there once in a while, but a baby wants to be served. You never hear a baby say, what can I do for you? A baby wants to be served. Feed me, change me, make me laugh. (laughs) Am I right? What a lot of people that don't understand church come in. What do they go? Feed me, take care of me. Hey, make me laugh. Come on, don't go into that word stuff. Make me laugh. By the way, you can go into the word stuff and still laugh. Amen. We have a good time together, don't we? Obviously. So begin to think about it. See, what is a baby? Well, they want to be served. Number two, a baby wants to be the center of attention. Everything revolves around that baby. They're not interested in anything else. A carnal Christian? Same. A baby wants his or her way. If they don't get it, what do they do? They demand it. They cry. They throw up what? Temper tantrum. Of course, you've never seen that in church. Here's a big one. I thought about this a lot. If you go to a baby and the baby's crying for milk and you say, I'll have it in about 30 minutes. (laughs) The baby wants everything what? My wife reminds me all the time. The dog is here. The dog needs to go out. Tell her, I'll go out and take her out in 10 minutes. I got a couple of things to finish. She doesn't know 10 minutes. She wants to go out now. Now, if there's a carnal trait that all of us kind of are weak in, I just hit it. When you pray, when do you want it? Yeah. We're anxious, aren't we? So those are just a few traits. You could come up with a million more. Now, He goes on and defines this jealousy and envy. Look at verse 4. When one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Paul defines his complaint even further. He says, the factions that I'm talking about, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. Paul said in the church, why in the world are you choosing sides? The danger of dividing the church by, quote, your favorite pastor That jealous thinking is your old sinful nature. It promotes self and strife and division. Satan loves division. But God loves unity. This, by the way, I won't take a long time with you, but you need to understand it. Anytime you have a church, you have to be careful with division. When you begin to see this happening... We have all kinds of dangers that we address here. Because when we're one, you hear me say it all the time. You hear all the pastors say, we're one church in many locations. Why do I say that? Because pretty soon you can go, 
Well, we're the large church of these churches. We're better than they are. No. We're one church in many locations. So we don't lift one person up over another. That's our nature. Our nature is to divide. So it's a good thing. Now, verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Circle this word in your Bible if you've never circled it. Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. So Paul simply goes back to the very basics. They didn't get it before, so he's got to go through it again. Who are you when you become a believer? You're a servant. Who are you when you die? You're a servant. Who's Billy Graham? He's a servant. Who is Jesus? A servant. By the way, where do you think Paul learned this? Jesus, when he came. When Jesus came, what did Jesus say? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Don't be like the world. And again, let me say this, you guys are amazing because you serve and you serve and you serve and you serve. We point people to Jesus, not ourselves. We're not into that. We're not interested in a following. Here's Pastor Dave's following or Pastor Bowles or Pastor Mark's following. We're not interested in a following. The only following we're interested in is Jesus Christ. And we have to fight that sometimes. doesn't mean you can't have your favorites. And Let me just explain that for a moment. It doesn't mean you can't have... Your own personal favorites, and maybe in the guys that teach you or something. That's natural. That's fine. But we don't put that one in the other. This is why we have lots of different churches. Some people here couldn't stand me. And that's why they're not here. And I don't mean that in a negative way. My temperament, the way I teach, you know, move around or whatever. They like another style. And so that's why there's different pastors with different styles still teaching the Word of God. Realize the kingdom of God is not Calvary chapels. God help us. It's people that love the Lord around the world. Amen? So lots of different ways to do things. And that's the mature stance. You're here because this place fits you. Doesn't mean lots of other places wouldn't fit you. But this place happens to fit you. By the way, you get to be a servant. You say, well, Pastor Mike, I'd really like to be something else, carnal. (laughs) You get to be a servant. What a privilege. Now, we are not striving for some kind of special power. Paul wrote this in Romans. We have different gifts according to the grace God's given us. And then he goes and lists these gifts. All of you have one of those motivational gifts. You're not better than somebody else. And very often we'll talk about this. The reason pastors have difficulty, musicians have difficulty is because where are we? How many people are you really looking at other than the texting that you're doing right now? How many people are you really looking at? (laughs) You're looking at me. A few moments ago, you're looking at the musicians. That puts us in a place that we have to be very careful because I know you're not looking at me. You're looking to Jesus through his word. But that's the danger. We begin to elevate people because of their giftings or this, that, and the other. No, no, no. We're not like the world. We're simply instruments that God uses, all of us, to bring people to Christ. I came up with a couple illustrations. By the way, take God out of you. Take God out of me. Forget it. Nothing spiritual happens. I thought about this. Here's what Paul's saying. Why are you honoring us? We're just servants. We're serving God. It would be like going to your favorite restaurant, and at the end of this amazing meal... Call for the waiter and say to the waiter, thank you for the amazing meal you cooked for me. 
Well, the waiter didn't cook your meal. The chef did. By the way, if the teaching's good, the master chef prepared it. It's his word. It would be like this. Some of you, I know you liked about surgery, but like, that's my background. It would be like coming through a very difficult surgery and then saying to the nurse when you finally come through a day later, would you bring me the instruments in because I want to thank the instruments. Thank you so much. The one that stretched my, thank you so much. No, you want to thank who? The surgeon. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm just an instrument for God. That's all you are. That's all I am. We're not the surgeon. God's the surgeon. Hallelujah. Now, look at verse 6. Paul says it this way. I planted the seed. Apollos, he watered it. Underline this in your Bible. But God made it grow. That's an amazing freeing verse. From a church to an individual. Lots of times, because of our human nature, our old fleshly nature, we kind of go like this. Uh, Pastor Mark, I witnessed, but nothing seems to come of it. I don't seem to see anything. So I guess I'm failing. No, you're doing what we're supposed to do. We plant the seed. We share our testimony. Sometimes the door is closed. But God then has somebody else come along later, another person. But one of the things you have to understand, as humans, we do some of the work of the ministry. God, he could have just chosen, as he's going to do in Revelation, just to have angels go through the sky and get people saved. But he's chosen to use you, every single one of you, myself included. Now, we want to be wise. We want to see the openings of the Spirit. We want to witness. But all I can do is plant. And really, this is humbling for a pastor. As you know, on some of the big services that we have, Easter and holidays, whatever, Typically, what happens in those, because of the grace of God, what are our altars filled with? People. And people go like, wow, what a sermon. Well, really, how did they get here and how are they going to be changed? Because you did what? You've been planting. Somebody else has been watering. And often I happen to be here, any other pastor happens to be here when God gives the what? The increase. There's no increase, there's no life without God. You can't work a person to salvation. Your greatest testimony can't bring them salvation. So in a church, it's the same thing. We kind of look at church and go, wow. No, God gives the increase. You know what we read in Acts chapter 2? As they begin to do what you guys are doing, fellowshipping, staying in the Word, getting into small groups, taking care of the Bible, praying, having communion. As we do that, God added to the church daily as he saw fit. See, it's God. So Paul says, we're all servants. We're going to be a little different, but we're servants. We're not the one giving the increase. Quit doing that. Would you write this? And it will help you as you testify. Only God can bring new life and growth. See, here's the verse. And the Lord added to their number. Paul didn't add to their number. Peter didn't add to their number. None of the other disciples in the early church added. God did. So as you witness, as you share, now you don't want a cavalier attitude. Well, I throw the seed. They weren't too interested. That's easy. I just, hey, you're lost. You're going to hell. I'm not talking about that. That's ridiculous. You want to be sincere. You want to ask God to open the door. These people are without hope. We have hope. You want a heart of God. 
But then I can't be discouraged. I mean, Jesus had the rich young ruler walk right away from him. There's no better testimony. So I leave it to the Holy Spirit. What Paul is really saying is this, and you need to think about this. Paul's saying, Apollos and I, we're not trying to split. We're partners in this thing. By the way, you and I are partners. We're co-workers with God. Now look at verse 7. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. And my self-esteem went down to nothing right there. How about yours? But only God, here we go again, who makes things grow. By the way, my self-esteem isn't self. My self-esteem is God-esteem. I'm worth something for three reasons. Number one, Jesus caused me to be born. God did. Number two, Jesus died for me. And why do I have worth today? Because Jesus lives in my heart through the Holy Spirit. There's nothing better. So Paul says, don't you sit here and fool with all that. None of us convict someone. Only God can do. We work. We plant the seed. Others water it. Give the word of God. Word of encouragement. Come along. Answer questions that people. Many of you guys are doing. You're discipling people. Well, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Good stuff. Great stuff. Way to go. But the only one that's going to really grow them is God. He uses his word to do it. Now, look at verse 8. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So Paul and Apollos, what they're saying to this church is, quit putting the favorite camps out there. We're simply together. There's one purpose, and the purpose, we would say, is to win, disciple, and sin. And that is a great example because I'm going to be held accountable, not for how you witness, not for your gifting. I'm going to be accountable for my giftings, not against anybody else, for me and me alone. And Paul brings that out in many, many of his teachings. And let me just read this to you. Would you just close your eyes? I want you to picture being here as Jesus says this. This is Jesus speaking. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work for me. Now, don't say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Today, Pastor Mark taught you more about the Corinthian church, which was kind of a mess. You found out about their individual self-centeredness and how that was expressed in their church. You were reminded that spiritual growth is something you work at. It doesn't just happen. You learned that you, yes, you, are an instrument of God to be used to expand His kingdom. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This wraps up part three of Pastor Mark's teaching. Next time, he'll begin part four in this series called People, Problems, and Practical Helps. You'll find out more about how the Apostle Paul tried to correct the problems that had cropped up in the church in Corinth. You'll hear how their difficulties have likenesses to things you might see today, and you'll learn about the solutions the Bible offers. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you, and together, let's do life right. In a herd